Good morning and welcome to Daily Devotions. My name is Israel and it is my honor to encourage you this morning. I hope you have had an incredibly blessed Christmas with your family, that it was full of joy, hope, love and peace, the themes of Advent that we looked at leading up to Christmas, because ultimately on Christmas Day, unto us a child was born and unto us a son is given, but the gift to humanity was more than just the birth of a son. It was love, joy, peace, and hope coming into humanity. The book of John says that it is light that has entered humanity. Uh, We were in church looking at the story of the birth of Jesus in the book of Luke. And I was quite struck how the opening figures in the gospel of Luke all seem to be in a place of waiting. It's almost like the backdrop of the nativity is the backdrop of waiting. And that waiting isn't just something specifically for the, uh, for Zachariah and Mary and Anna and Joseph. It seems to have been, in a sense, almost the spirituality of the Israelites back in their day. The backdrop of their waiting for the promises of God that the promises that Zachariah and Elizabeth would, would have a son called John who would go on and preparing the way for the Lord and Mary with the promise she received from the angel Gabriel that she would birth the savior of the world and Simeon and Anna waiting in the temple of the promise that they would see the Messiah before they died. Their backdrop of waiting is best understood in the larger backdrop of Israel's waiting. We can see a little bit of that waiting in Psalm 130 verses five. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, And in his word, I hope my soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord for the Lord. There is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. You see, they were all waiting for redemption. They were all waiting for a savior to be born and During Christmas, we commemorate the gift of the Savior being born for mankind. And it's quite interesting that God decided to reveal himself to mankind in the flesh of the promise from Isaiah chapter 7. Behold, the Lamb himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Or Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 to 7, for to us a child is born and a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David, his kingdom, they will be on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and of righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So this was the expectation. The expectation was for a glorious savior that would establish a kingdom. Yet he took on humanity. He took on flesh and came as a baby. God wanted to introduce himself as a baby. And I've always wondered why did he choose a baby? Why not revealing himself as a powerful God, but as a baby, not as a God who is full of wisdom, but a baby who still needed to learn how to talk, not a God of an urgent message coming down from heaven, redeeming mankind and uh, returning. No, 
He came as a baby that went and grew up and spent 30 years living as a human. 10 times more of his life, he just lived as a human than he did as the great teacher and Messiah and Redeemer. He came to live a life because he wanted to introduce himself to us as God with us. Now, I've often wondered why did he spend so much time in Nazareth? Why didn't he just come down from heaven, redeem mankind, and then return? After all, he is the creator, the king of the universe. He's, he's got things to do. He's busy. Why did he get born and choose to spend 30 years of his life living a life of normality? Now, there's often been a lot of speculations about what Jesus did during his 30 years. Sometimes people have said that, he was the son of a carpenter, so people have assumed he worked with wood. Fun, fun fact, just a little extra for you. The word carpenter used in a passage is actually, it's a Greek word called tekton. And a master tekton was known as an architecton. And that's where we get our English word for architect from. But a tekton could be a woodworker, which we've often assumed Jesus to be. Or it could be a stonemason someone who works with stone and built houses and or temples. Now, here's the interesting part. There's no wood in Galilee. Trees don't grow in the region. They did quarry stone though. So if you're looking at how to apply the word tecton to what Jesus actually did, stonemason might be a better application than woodworker. And that explains a little bit why so much of the analogies of Jesus had to do with building temples and working of stone, the cornerstone that was rejected and I will build the temple and the temple will be rebuilt. A lot of his imagery was around that because Jesus most likely was not a carpenter, but a stonemason. And so the application of tecton, interesting, but that's just a little, little extra there. People have often assumed that Jesus was this wonder kid and ran around Nazareth just performing miracles. But scripture is clear that Jesus revealed himself to the earth by performing miracles. And the miracle he performed at Cana was his first miracle because he didn't want to perform the miracle because he said, it's not my time to reveal myself yet. Jesus simply lived in obedience to his parents in a place called Nazareth. And I've often wondered why he does that. And then I read a passage in Second Corinthians, which is our core passage for today's devotion series, which is a new one we're starting called Behold. And it's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. I believe the reason Jesus spent so much time as a human is because he needed to re-express what it means to be human. Jesus came and he affirmed what it meant to be human. He affirmed what it means to be human. The trials and the sufferings and the experiences. He isn't a God who from a distance looked on the human experience and tried to help us. He's a God who took upon himself everything that humanity goes through. Every heartache, every struggle. Scripture says even every temptation he took upon himself. I think it's, it's interesting to note that Jesus most likely also faced the death of his own father, Joseph, and had to deal with that. Joseph seems to be completely missing at the later points in the gospel. Mary's at the cross, but where's Joseph? The life expectancy for a first century Jew living in Judea was around the age of 50. And 
Jewish people, Jewish men usually only married around the age of 30. So by the time Joseph married Mary, he was at least in his 30s. And so by the time Jesus is 30, which is where the gospel story really takes off of his ministry, Joseph would have been way past his life expectancy. And the most likely reason why we don't hear or read anything of Joseph is because Joseph would have already passed away at this point. And so Jesus would have gone through the pain of even losing a loved one and a family member. He understands what it means to be human and to go through our pain and suffering. He doesn't just brush over it because he's God. We see that even when his friend Lazarus died, he knew he was about to be raised from the dead and he still stood in front of his tomb crying because he understands what it means to be human. He understands what you're going through. He understands the wonder and the anxiety and the stress and the wishes you have to escape to different realities, for circumstances to be different, for relationships and families to be different, for loneliness to be gone. He understands all of those things because he lived through it all. And as we start this new devotion series called Behold, Behold, he's making all things new. It starts with him reconciling humanity with himself again. He is for eternity, fully God and fully human. For eternity, he has brought humanity into the Trinity. And for eternity, humanity has been redeemed by the work of the Messiah. Behold, I am making all things new. You have re-expressed what it means to be human. And as a perfect human redeemed mankind, so that we can become a new creation, as the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Corinthians. You are a new creation, and God is redeeming you. So behold, he is making all things new. I hope this has been an encouragement for you and I pray you have a blessed day together. Can we pray together quickly? Father God, thank you that we can look upon your son and know that you are redeeming us, that you are making all things new, that you are reconciling ourselves to you and that you've given us the ministry of reconciliation to go and be reconcilers where there is no reconciliation. Father, bless us this week as we come out of this Christmas season and we enter into this epiphany season and look towards all the promises you've given us. Be with us during this time. Protect us as some of us are still traveling and on, on the road and bring us together. Thank you for the incredible love and gifts of your son during this Christmas season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.